We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 526 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, March 13th, 2023. It is the day of the start of the NFL's legal tampering period, which gets going at noon Eastern. And make sure that you have that time right, because we all sprung forward on Sunday morning during a weekend that goes down in Washington, D.C. sports history as a contract extension weekend. Who knew that this past weekend was contract extension weekend? Friday night, news broke of the Nationals agreeing with catcher Kbert Ruiz on a contract extension. Saturday afternoon, the Capitals announced a contract extension with defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And Sunday afternoon, news broke of the Commanders reportedly having agreed with interior defensive lineman Duran Payne on a contract extension. The first three letters of his last name have never been more appropriate. P-A-Y. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Hope that you had a nice weekend. Duran Payne <laughs> had a nice weekend. Uh, next segment, in-depth Reaction to and analysis of stunning news, but in a good way. The commanders of having franchise tagged Duran Payne, agreeing with him on a big money multi-year contract extension before free agency begins. Uh, this news like came out of nowhere on Sunday afternoon. We will discuss the terms of the deal, why the deal makes sense, why the deal also carries some risk. Uh, what the deal says from the standpoint of the sale of the Commanders and more. By the way, with the sale of the team, we did have this over the last few days. Business journalist Josh Kosman of the New York Post, he on Friday afternoon reported that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, quote, recently signed a confidentiality agreement signaling he may finally be allowed to enter the bidding process. Sources close to Bezos told the Post it was not clear whether Bezos inked the confidentiality pact with Snyder or the NFL, end quote. Hard to say how significant of a development this is, but yeah, it could be. 
that our commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder has lifted the ban, has greenlit Jeff Bezos bidding on the team. We shall see. Anyway, I'm also going to talk Commander's free agency as NFL free agency gets going with the start of the legal tampering period on Monday at noon Eastern. And I will discuss the rest of our D.C. area sports weekend, including, of course, college basketball. The NCAA tournament is set. Maryland, Virginia, VCU, and Howard are all in. I'll talk about that as well as those teams' weekends in terms of conference tournaments. Uh, Also, I will properly address a bad weekend for the Wizards that actually was a good weekend for the Wizards because they now are rising in the NBA draft lottery standings. Uh, Friday night, a 114-107 loss to the Atlanta Hawks at Capital One Arena. Sunday evening, a 112-93 loss at the Philadelphia 76ers. I'll get into the Capitals off them signing Trevor Van Riemsdyk, TVR, to a contract extension, and then authoring an impressive 5-1 win at the then Eastern Conference wildcard-leading New York Islanders on Saturday night. And I will salute some actual real-life Good news for the Nationals. Yes, such a thing does still exist. Actual good news for the Nationals. So we've had uh, way too little of that in recent years. But this contract extension with Capert Ruiz is good news. I'll explain why. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Robin in Japan on potential commander's owner Jeff Bezos. Uh, (laughs) No fan of Uncle Jeff is Robin, writes Robin. Big fan of the show. Congrats on passing the half a thousand mark. Hope you keep it up for some thousands more. Thank you, Robin, continues Robin. Been wanting to weigh in on the potential new owner or owner's conversation for a while. I know that a lot of people would love to see Jeff Bezos by the commanders, partly because he's thought to be an efficient business manager, and he has the means to obtain pretty much anything that he wants, including a well-located new stadium. But I have to be honest, when I saw that Adam Schefter report saying that Mitchell Rails is pairing with Josh Harris to buy the team, I sighed in relief. Of course, literally anybody but Dan Snyder would be a massive improvement. But I'm not sure that Americans realize exactly to what extent the rest of the world absolutely hates Jeff Bezos. So I thought that I could give you a few reasons why. First, he's part of the handful of insanely rich people who own more than the poorest half of the human population. So that's already a pretty good reason to hope that he drowns in one of his jacuzzis, if you ask me. Second, he built his indecent fortune on a business that wiped out millions of small businesses and shops, starting with bookshops around the world, participating in destroying small business-based economies. Thirdly, he built his gargantuan empire partly by treating his employees poorly, paying them ridiculously low salaries, trampling workers' rights, and infamously forcing a lot of them to work during the COVID pandemic. So here's to hoping that Bezos ends up broke and in need of working in the poor conditions <laughs> he, he imposes on his workers. Lastly, he participates in this completely futile, useless, indecent, and dangerous for our planet race to the sky, taking other rich people on high pollutant tours in space just to prove <laughs> that he has a bigger you-know-what than Elon Musk. Plus, Bezos had the audacity of 
thanking Amazon employees after his first space trip, saying that they paid for it, which they did with the money that he extracted from their poorly paid hard work. I could go on, but I'll leave it at that. So here's to hopefully having a more competent owner than Snyder without having to root for a team owned by one of the most hated men on earth. Go Durs! (laughs) Uh, Thank you for the email, Robin. Not a fan of Jeff Bezos, eh? Uh, Well, I'm not going to get into everything that uh, Robin laid out in that email. I will, though, say this about Jeff Bezos. The one thing that we know for sure is that he would be a commander's owner who would not have a cash flow problem. Of that, there is no doubt. You know, Jeff Bezos, as of Sunday afternoon, was worth $114 billion, according to Forbes. But would he be a good owner? of the commanders. Would he be better than, say, an ownership group led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner Josh Harris? We have no idea. You know, Bezos's ownership of the Washington Post has not been considered some, like, slam-dunk success. Now, maybe that's mostly a function of the newspaper business in 2023, but Bezos certainly has not had some, like, Midas touch with the Washington Post. So who knows with him as commander's owner, although it is almost impossible to think that he would be any worse than the Danny. Email from Dr. Matthew Mintz on something that he saw on the Commander's Facebook page recently. Writes, Dr. Mintz, hope you are well. I don't know if you are a Facebook person or not, but I do use Facebook. And as a Commander's fan, I follow them. I thought that you might be interested in something that the Commander's recently posted. It's an advertisement for another company. While sports teams commonly have sponsors and cross promotions, this is an actual advertisement. I'm not a marketing or social media expert, but I don't know of any company, let alone a billion-dollar company like the Commanders that has used its social media platform to advertise for another company. Also, this is an advertisement for Theragun, which is made by Therabody and can be used for pain after workouts. In light of the recent F grades that the Commanders got from the NFL Players Association for the team's training facility and the like, this just seems extremely poor-timed. Perhaps this is an overreaction by me or things like this happen all of the time and I am only now paying attention because this is happening with my football team. However, something about this just strikes me as extremely odd and the optics are odd. And of course, we have seen odd optics before with the commanders and Jason Wright, who is the featured person in this ad. Is Dan Snyder via offseason advertising on the team's social media platform trying to help his books before he sells the team? Anyway, just thought that you should know about this. Curious about your thoughts. Uh, Thank you for the email, Dr. Mintz. You know, I did see that ad, and I didn't think much about it when I saw it, because the commanders do all kinds of things for and with the team sponsors. So, you know, I figured that this is just another one of those things. I can't speak to what other NFL teams do on their social media platforms for sponsors, but I can't say that this strikes me as particularly odd. We do know that the team's local revenue has plummeted. I mean, one of the more jarring items from that bombshell report from ESPN senior writer Don Van Nata Jr. on February 28th was that the team's local revenues uh, went down the tubes in the 2010s, quote, from $241 million in fiscal year 2009 to $160 million in fiscal year 
2020, end quote. So I think that there absolutely is major pressure on team president Jason Wright and the business department to generate more revenue. But, you know, with Jason, it is notable that he is the main character of this ad. The message above the video for the ad, quote, from his career on the playing field to his new arena in the boardroom. Everybody is the recovery tool President Jason Wright relies on. End quote. Now, I get that this Theragun partnership is with the commanders, and so they probably can't just have, say, you know, receiver Terry McLaurin pimping for Theragun. Theragun would have to do a separate deal with Terry, but I don't know how many people are going to be more likely to use this product because Jason Wright uses the product or at least is endorsing the product. You know, Jason's approval rating isn't exactly sky high, okay? Fair or unfair, his approval rating ain't exactly sky high. And in fact, here are some of the Facebook responses to this ad. From Eric Klodfelter, quote, <laughs> Jason Wright has to go. He never listened to the fans who wanted Red Wolves. He said that it was trademarked. I strongly disagreed with him. Red Wolves are still popular. He doesn't understand about the trademark. I do. I studied art. No wonder he failed it. <laughs> End quote. From Alexander Durant, quote, he's just there for his check. We need to get in a winning mentality. Find a replacement for Jason. End quote. From Raymond Michael Caswell, quote, don't let the Therabody hit you on the way out, Jason. End quote. From Kevin Johnson, quote, dude has been horrible <laughs> and has botched several big things since he got here, end quote. All of this is on the commander's Facebook page right beneath this ad. From Dwayne Edwards, quote, he lost me with this name change debacle. They took two years to come up with this name, end quote, and on and on and on and on I could go, but you get the idea. Exactly how thrilled do you think that Theragun is that this advertisement for Therabody prompted all of these negative responses targeted at the main character of the ad, El Presidente, Jason Wright. Well, if you happen to be using Therabody because of an injury that you suffered due to the negligence of someone else, know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, you should contact Paulson and and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611, and when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and once what is best for the firm's clients, Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. Uh, Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace 
that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PolsonandNace.com. That's PolsonandNace.com. And don't forget to tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Polson and Nace take care of your family. Well, the streak is over. The streak of players who Washington franchise tagged not being re-signed to multi-year contracts is over. (laughs) Sunday afternoon, Big Commander's News, multiple reports that the Commanders have agreed on a multi-year contract extension with interior defensive lineman Duran Payne. Uh, This was stunning, not because the Commanders signing Duran to a multi-year contract extension with some whacked-out idea, but because we all had become painfully familiar with the uh, franchise tag scenario with our team, right? Washington franchise tags a player off having not been proactive enough with the player. The player is just fine playing under the terms of the franchise tag. Washington ends up losing the player via unrestricted free agency for nothing more than a compensatory draft pick. We saw this with quarterback Kirk Cousins. We saw this with right guard Brandon Sheriff, but we will not see this with Deron Payne. Not in this go-round in terms of an expiring contract. Uh, The Duran Payne contract extension is a reported four-year, $90 million deal with $60 million in guarantees. Commander's insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post reported that the contract extension has $46.01 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, This contract is making Duran the second highest paid interior defensive lineman in NFL history in terms of average annual value, AAV. Uh, Duran's AAV via this extension is $22.5 million. Los Angeles Rams interior defensive lineman Aaron Donald is number one with an AAV of $31.67 million. Uh, But A, the market for interior defensive linemen is about to skyrocket. And so that Duran Payne AAV is only going to look better as time goes on. And B, Duran's salary cap hit for the 2023 season reportedly will only be around $10 million. Uh, The commanders on February 28th applied a franchise tag to Duran. The tag was worth $18.937 million. As I had been saying on the podcast, I did think that this time could be different for Washington, that the Duran scenario just might be different than the Kirk Cousins and Brandon Sheriff scenarios. Washington's franchise tag uh, dances with Kirk Cousins and Brandon Sheriff had resulted in those guys' franchise tag tenders being at levels at which it behooved the players to play under those tenders. But Duran Payne's situation was different. Like I just said, the market for interior defensive linemen is expected to take off, and the market is expected to take off to where a multitude of interior defensive linemen will have AAVs of more than $20 million. So Duran's franchise tag was low enough at $18.937 million to where they're Seemingly was motivation for him to get a multi-year contract extension with the commanders done this offseason. And sure enough, the extension has gotten done. And I applaud the commanders for the timing because they got this deal done before the market for interior defensive linemen really skyrockets. Uh, The kind of player who a team should be willing to pay big money to 
is a player who is good, is durable, and is young. And Deron Payne checks all three of those boxes. Uh, Deron Payne is a good player, coming off an excellent season. Deron, over his first four NFL seasons, 2018 through 2021, was a pretty good player, but he also was an inconsistent player. And this was part of why the Commanders last offseason didn't even offer Deron a contract extension as best as we could tell. Now, not offering him an extension last offseason was costly. Like, had the Commanders gotten an extension with Deron Dunn last offseason, that extension would be an extreme bargain right now. But I can understand the team's thinking and that Deron had been an inconsistent player. I just felt like if the team wasn't going to even offer him an extension, then the team should have been more open to trading him. But the Commanders did not trade Deron. They kept him for the 2022 season, which he played under the terms of the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. And Duran, of course, had a monster 2022 season. Duran Payne, for the 2022 regular season, finished a tied for 12th in the NFL in sacks with 11.5, finished tied for 4th in the NFL in tackles for loss with 18, and he had five pass defenses. I mean, Duran's 2022 season truly is one of the best seasons that any Washington interior defensive lineman has ever had. His 11 and a half sacks tied Dave Butts for the most sacks in a regular season by a Washington interior defensive lineman since sacks became an official stat beginning with the 1982 season. Butts had 11 and a half sacks in the 1983 regular season. Uh, also, Deron Payne has been extremely durable. Uh, he, over his five NFL seasons, has played in 81 of a possible 82 regular season games. And Deron Payne is still really young. The Redskins took Deron with the number 13 pick in the 2018 NFL draft. He was just 20 years old when he was drafted. This coming season, the 2023 season, will be his sixth NFL season but also will be just his age 26 season. Good, durable, and young. That is quite the trifecta. A team should be willing to pay big money to a player who checks each box of the trifecta, and Deron Payne does do that. Now, there are two concerns to me with this Deron Payne contract extension. Uh, The first concern is, was his great 2022 season an outlier? You know, Duran went from being a pretty good but also inconsistent player over his first four NFL seasons to being an excellent player in his fifth NFL season. Did he take a while to blossom due to, you know, circumstances around him and him being so young? Or did he have his great 2022 season due to it being a contract season? And now that he's getting paid, he's going to revert to being an inconsistent player. Uh, I think this is a fair question to ask, and this is where you got to hope that the head coach and our coach-centric approach, Ron Rivera, knows Deron Payne well enough as a person to know what truly was behind his excellent 2022 season. A second concern for me with this Deron Payne contract extension isn't so much about Deron as it is about the team continuing to pump resources into a singular position group in the defensive line. 
you know, first with all of these first round picks that have been spent on the defensive line, and now a whole lot of money that is being spent on the defensive line via these big money contracts for interior defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, and perhaps soon a big money contract extension for edge defender Montez Sweat, and perhaps this offseason, the exercising of the fifth year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young. I am all for keeping good players, but the commanders are walking a tightrope here in spending all of this capital on one position group. Uh, That said, I wanted one of two things for the commanders with Deron Payne this offseason, a multi-year contract extension or for him to be traded. I wanted one of two extremes. I had no interest in him playing the 2023 season under the terms of a franchise tag, and thankfully, we have gotten one of the two extremes, and the extreme is the multi-year contract extension, and we get it essentially right at the buzzer, you know, right before the start of the NFL's legal tampering period on Monday at noon Eastern. Uh, Deron Payne becomes the third Washington star player to get a big money contract extension over the last 20 months. Uh, Late July 2021, Jonathan Allen signed his big money contract extension. Early July 2022, receiver Terry McLaurin signed his big money contract extension. And now Deron Payne is getting his big money contract extension. Say what you want about Ron Rivera. Say what you want about Don Ron. But uh, the Ron Rivera regime is doing a nice job of re-signing Washington's best players. And I know Brandon Sheriff left, right? He left via unrestricted free agency last March. But personally, I never wanted Washington to give Sheriff the top of the market money that he wanted uh, due to his lack of durability and also him playing a position that you can adequately fill on the cheap. But, you know, if you're going to be fair about things, Ron got Jonathan Allen to sign an extension, got Terry McLaurin to sign an extension, and now is getting Deron Payne to sign an extension. There's one more thing about the Deron Payne contract extension, and that is what, if anything, it means about the sale of the commanders. So that is a tricky thing to assess, but I can tell you this. So we know that our co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, appears to have a cash flow problem. The thinking had been that that cash flow problem in conjunction with the sale of the team might have resulted in some sort of spending freeze for the commanders this offseason. Well, first we had the hiring of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, And now we have this contract extension for Deron Payne. Clearly, there is at least some money that can be spent, okay? And keep in mind that the bulk of the money being spent will be spent by the next owner of the commanders, assuming that there is a next owner. Like, it's not as if all of the money being committed to Eric Bieniemy and Deron Payne has to be paid right now. Uh, now, with Deron, so this is notable, there is a portion of the money that the commanders owe him via this contract extension that has to be put into an escrow account for NFL rules. But according to a friend of the Al Galdi podcast, NFL agent and former skin salary cap analyst, J.I. Wholesale, who spoke with my friend Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, uh, the review for 2023 escrow requirements just took place on January 31st, 2023, meaning 
that Duran's deal will not be reviewed for escrow purposes until the next review date, which is January 31st, 2024. So whatever portion of Duran's $60 million in guarantees that has not been paid as of next year, uh, that amount will be put into escrow, meaning that that will be on the next owner of the Commanders. Again, assuming that there is a next owner, which I think there will be. And that will be a good thing, just like this contract extension for Duran Payne is a good thing. All right, so NFL Free Agency Week has arrived. Uh, The NFL's legal tampering period begins on Monday at noon Eastern. The uh, legal tampering period is when NFL teams officially can contact and begin negotiations with the agents of players who are set to be unrestricted free agents come Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, which is when the legal tampering period ends and the start of the NFL's new league year begins, and that's when NFL teams officially can sign unrestricted and restricted free agents from other teams and can execute trades. The Commanders are entering the 2023-2024 league year with the 10th highest adjusted salary cap number in the NFL, $231,251,900. Now, how much of that cap space the team will be allowed to use given the ownership situation? Who the heck knows? But understand that the commanders are entering free agency and the trading period with ample cap space. Uh, I do not expect a number of big moves by the commanders in free agency because of the ownership situation. And by that, I don't just mean the sale of the team. I also mean the cash flow problem uh, that our commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder pretty clearly has. But I don't think that the commander is not making a bunch of big moves in free agency is necessarily a bad thing. As I talked about with Pro Football Focus salary cap analyst Brad Spielberger on Friday's show, episode 525, the real value in free agency is in the second and third waves of free agency and not in these first few days with all of the hype. Uh, The first few days of free agency are, to me, a sucker's game in which teams overpay for veterans who, A, already have NFL mileage on their bodies, and B, were allowed to become free agents by those players' previous teams. The truth is that many, if not most, very good players don't make it to free agency off the expirations of those players' rookie contracts because those guys get signed to contract extensions or at the very least get tagged. So NFL teams in the first few days of free agency are paying big money to players with wear and tear on their bodies and who many times were deemed not worthy of being retained by those players' previous teams. Again, a suckers game. Now, that that doesn't mean that every big money free agent signing in the initial days of free agency doesn't work out. Plenty of those deals have worked out, but uh, oh, so many have not. And we this past Friday afternoon got another reminder of this. The Pittsburgh Steelers on Friday afternoon announced that they had released corner William Jackson III, and we this past Friday afternoon had multiple reports that the Denver Broncos were releasing corner Ronald Darby. William Jackson III and Ronald Darby, WJ3 and old uh, Ronnie Darby, two corners who, of course, are of relevance to Washington. Uh, two corners who, in the 2021 offseason, got good money contracts as unrestricted free agents. And uh, two corners whose good money, unrestricted free agent contracts 
turned out to be bus. The commanders this past November 1st, what was NFL trade deadline day, traded William Jackson III and a conditional seventh round pick in the 2025 NFL draft to the Steelers for a conditional sixth round pick in the 2025 NFL draft. But the most significant aspect of the trade was that the Steelers took on the entirety of the rest of Jackson's contract, a three-year, $40.5 million contract to which Washington signed Jackson as an unrestricted free agent in March 2021. As you may recall, there were reports earlier in the day on 2022 NFL trade deadline day that it was looking like the commanders were just going to release Jackson so that they, A, were able to trade him as opposed to having to release him, and B, got the Steelers to take on the entirety of the rest of Jackson's contract were wins given the circumstance. And of course, that is the thing, the circumstance. William Jackson III's tenure with Washington was a complete debacle. And how about this? He ultimately did not play in a single game for the Steelers, who placed him on the reserve injured list this past November 12th. Uh, Washington in March 2021 in signing Jackson also said goodbye to Ronald Darby. Uh, The Broncos in March 2021 signed Darby to a three-year, $30 million unrestricted free agent contract. Uh, Ronald Darby over his two seasons with the Broncos made $19.647 million. But Darby over his two seasons with the Broncos played in just 16 of a possible 34 regular season games. He went back to being injury prone, which was a real problem for Darby during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. Darby over his three seasons with the Eagles, 2017 through 2019, played in just 28 of a possible 48 regular season games. But Washington signed Darby as an unrestricted free agent on April 1st, 2020 to a one-year, $3 million contract. And that ended up being a beauty of a deal. Uh, Ronald Darby was very good for Washington. Uh, Darby in the 2020 regular season started all 16 of Washington's games and led Washington in defensive snaps at 95.89%. And he did this for a Washington defense that finished the 2020 regular season at number two in the NFL in pass defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Uh, Now, Darby did have problems at Washington's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in the wildcard round of the playoffs that season. But this overall was a terrific signing by Washington. I mean, one year, $3 million for a guy who ended up being the best corner on a defense that for that regular season, it was number two in the NFL in pass defense per DVOA. And so we see in all of this, these lessons of free agency, right? The first few days of free agency are a suckers game. See the fails that were Washington signing of William Jackson III and the Broncos signing of Ronald Darby. And the real value of free agency is in its second and third waves. See Washington signing of Darby. And of course, Washington, with Ron Rivera as head coach and the coach-centric approach, has had a number of other low-cost second and third wave of free agency signings that have worked out. You know, you think about tight end Logan Thomas and running back J.D. McKissick and offensive tackles Charles Leno Jr. and Cornelius Lucas and interior offensive lineman Wes Schweitzer and receiver DeAndre Carter. You know, you get the idea. Uh, the commander's uh, top two unrestricted free agents this offseason are quarterback Taylor Heineke 
and linebacker Cole Holcomb. I have not had a good feeling about the commanders re-signing Taylor Heineke. That has not seemed likely, and we certainly got that sense from Taylor's college head coach, former Old Dominion football head coach Bobby Wilder, uh, from what he said on this podcast on last Tuesday's show, episode 522, detailing the fracture between Taylor and Ron Rivera that emerged. Uh, My sense is that the commanders will re-sign Cole Holcomb. I certainly hope that they do. Cole Holcomb is a solid player. You know, he's not a great player, but he's a solid player. He should not cost a ton. Uh, When it comes to position groups of need for the commanders this offseason, we're talking to varying degrees about quarterback, offensive line, tight end, linebacker. And the commanders on Sunday afternoon did announce a one-year contract extension with linebacker Kalik Hudson, who had been set to become a restricted free agent this offseason. And also the secondary, although with the secondary, depth is the need, not so much needing a new starter or starters. Quarterback's kind of a different conversation because it would appear that the commanders are eyeing Sam Howell as the QB1 for the 2023 season, but you need a QB2 and you may well need a QB3. I mean, I think the biggest intrigue with the commanders in free agency is going to be what the team does at quarterback. If Taylor Heineke isn't re-signed and Rod Rivera doesn't fact want a veteran quarterback to compete with Sam Howell, then who will the commanders get? The market is set to be flooded with veteran unrestricted free agent quarterbacks, all of like the same ilk, you know, guys who are capable quarterbacks, but who are flawed as QB1s. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyler Huntley, Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew. There are others too. But who do the commanders like is a question. Who would be a good fit for what the team's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy wants to do offensively? That is a question. And who is willing to sign with the commanders knowing that Ron Rivera has been positioning Sam Howell to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season? That is a question. Well, if you have the question of which new sunglasses should I get, uh, the answer is easy. Shady Rays sunglasses and use the promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they look good, they feel good. Shady Rays, it is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Here's a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI 
for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. All right, college basketball's 2023 NCAA tournament is set. Uh, We have four teams from our region, the mid-Atlantic region in this year's NCAA tournament, Maryland, Virginia, VCU, and Howard. Uh, Maryland is an eight seed, will face nine seeded West Virginia at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama, Thursday afternoon at 12.15 in the very first game of the Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament. The second game of the Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament involves Virginia. Uh, Virginia is a four seed. will take on 13-seeded Furman at Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, Thursday afternoon at 1240. VCU is a 12 seed. will meet five-seeded St. Mary's at MVP Arena in Albany, New York, Friday afternoon at 2, and Howard is a 16 seed. We'll take on one-seeded Kansas at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, Thursday afternoon at 2. So let's talk about our teams here. Uh, Maryland ended up going 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten tournament at the United Center in Chicago. Number 6-seeded Maryland defeated number 14-seeded Minnesota, 70-54 late night this past Thursday night in the second round, but that lost to number 3-seeded Indiana, 70-60 late night on Friday night in the quarters. Uh, the Terrapins with less than 16 minutes left in the second half, led by 7 points at 41-34, but the Terps then allowed IU to win the rest of the game 36-19. The Terps went 9-24 on threes, but just 11-38 on twos. Uh, Jameer Young did not have a good Big Ten tournament. I don't know that that means much. Uh, These conference tournaments for teams like Maryland that you know are going to be in the NCAA tournament are always strange because, yes, you want the team to do well in its conference tournament, but also, yes, the conference tournament really doesn't mean that much. Uh, But Jameer Young on Friday night, 36 minutes as a starter, just one of five on threes and just two of 10 on twos. He did go five of six on free throws, did finish with 12 points, three steals and two assists versus two turnovers. But he over the Terps two games in the Big Ten tournament went just one of eight on threes and just five of 20 on twos. Uh, The Terps on Friday night had major problems with IU's best player, 6'9", Trace Jackson Davis, who in 39 minutes as a starter went eight of 13 from the field, all twos. He finished with 24 points, nine rebounds, seven assists versus two turnovers, four blocks, and three steals. And the damage could have been even worse because he went just eight of 13 on free throws. Maryland's biggest strength is its defense. If the Terps have a deep NCAA tournament run, it almost certainly will be with the defense leading the way. But the Terps this season have gotten bullied at times by quality bigs. And we saw that to a degree 
on Friday night. And speaking of bigs, uh, it is imperative that Julian Reese in the NCAA tournament avoids foul trouble. And that could be tricky against a rather physical West Virginia team. But the uh, 6'9 Julian Reese on Friday night played for just 26 minutes as a starter as he committed four fouls. Uh, He went just one of four from the field, all twos and three of four on free throws. And he finished with just five points. He did have seven rebounds, including three offensive boards. But Reese in each of the Terps two games in the Big Ten tournament committed four fouls. He has gotten a lot better as this season has gone on. He has become maybe the Terps' best defensive player, but foul trouble and to a lesser extent turnovers have been concerns with Reese. Uh, by the way, another Terps big, the six foot seven Patrick Emelian, uh, he on Friday night committed five fouls in just 24 minutes off the bench. Foul trouble for Julian Reese, overall three-point shooting, uh, and the inconsistent Dante Scott. Those are my three biggest worries with the Terps in the NCAA tournament. And look, if Maryland does beat West Virginia, uh, more likely than not, waiting for the Terps in the second round will be number one seeded Alabama. So the Terps did not get uh, some great draw in this tournament. Uh, But you know what? Considering the expectations coming into the season, uh, what is, of course, Kevin Willard's first season as Terps head coach, you can't be anything but happy, really happy with how the team has done this season if you're a Terps fan like me. Uh, Willard, by the way, was uh, rather feisty during his postgame press conference late night on Friday night. Take a listen to this exchange. Uh, you mentioned how you were pleased with how your squad kind of entered this week after that Penn State loss, refocusing. Um, does anything kind of change, you know, with the timeline ahead of the national tournament, trying to regroup after this? And, and or do you want to see a similar reaction? I guess our, my last three losses are to two teams that have won. One team's won eight out of nine. The other team has won six out of seven. And we just played Indiana on the, on the road after playing last night. I, I love my team. I don't know what I have to refocus. We've won 21 games. Like, you can go refocus. Maybe you shouldn't, because I'm proud of this team, and this team's pretty damn good. And it comes Selection Sunday, we're going to we're gonna celebrate the fact that, again, our, we lost at Ohio State, who's in the semifinals, and just won 6-7, and we lost at a buzzer beater at Penn State, who's now won 7-8. So I'm not refocusing on anything. I'm celebrating. We're going to have a big party on Sunday. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. You can go refocus. Maybe you should. You can go refocus. Maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, you can go refocus. Maybe you should. Well, I don't know that Virginia has to refocus, but the Cavaliers do need to be concerned about their offense. Now, they did have a nice run in the ACC tournament at Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. The Cavs advanced all the way to the final. Uh, Thursday night, number two seeded Virginia beat number seven seeded North Carolina 68-59 in the quarters. Late night on Friday night, Virginia routed number three seeded Clemson 76-56 in the semis. But Saturday night, Virginia lost to number four seeded Duke 59-49 
in the final. And the Wahoos offense was mixed at best in these games. The win over Carolina, the Hoos went just 4 of 15 on threes and just 16 to 22 on free throws, but did also go 20 of 34 on twos and did commit just six turnovers. The blow out of Clemson, the Hoos even in that game went just 6 of 17 on threes and just 10 of 16 on free throws, but the Hoos also went 24 of 43 on twos, outscored Clemson in the paint 40-22 and had 18 assists versus six turnovers. So UVA's offense on Saturday night did do some really nice things, but then in the loss to Duke on Saturday night, UVA's offense was terrible. Uh, the Hoos scored just 49 points, went just 4 of 17 on threes, just 12 of 31 on twos, and just 13 of 17 on free throws, and committed 12 turnovers. Uh, Kihei Clark in 31 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter, 0 of 4 on threes, just 1 of 5 on twos, and he had just one assist versus three turnovers. Jaden Gardner in 34 minutes, 18 seconds as a starter, 0 of 1 on threes, and just 3 of 8 on twos. And this was of Gardner having been very good over UVA's first two games in the ACC tournament. Gardner in the Rattic Clemson on Friday night, 30 minutes, 10 seconds as a starter, 10 of 15 from the field, all twos. He did go just three of five on free throws, but he finished with 23 points, 12 rebounds, including five offensive boards and two assists versus no turnovers. This was UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on Virginia's offense in the loss to Duke, which does have two seven-foot starters in the seven-foot Kyle Filipowski and the seven-one Derek Lively the second. Yeah, I think they, uh, oh, they're they a good defensive team. They, they've really come together that way. Uh, their length and their athleticism um, was real, and I think at times it, it sped us up and we were at times a little bit uncharacteristic or a little a bit rushed. And I think, um, you know, they, they sat down and guarded. We sat down and tried to guard hard, and um, there just wasn't a whole lot there. And then, you know, had a few I thought we just missed some close ones. Um, but but I think their, their athleticism and length, you know, put some pressure on us, and at times we uh, got sped up. Well, remember, too, that the Cavs are without Ben Vanderplas, a 6A graduate student transfer from Ohio. He suffered a season-ending fractured right hand during practice last Wednesday, although the Cavs in the blowout at Clemson on Friday night did get very good minutes from 6'11", Caden Shedrick for a second consecutive game. He, in 17 minutes, 14 seconds off the bench, had eight points and seven rebounds. He went 0 of 1 on threes, 3 of 4 on twos, and 2 of 3 on free throws. Uh, And Virginia has been playing good defense. The offense is the concern. Well, the same can be said of VCU, although head coach Mike Rhodes' Rams did win the A-10 tournament at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, This off winning the A-10 regular season title, the uh, number one seeded Rams beat number two seeded Dayton 68-56 in the A-10 tournament final on Sunday afternoon. VCU won each of its three games in the A-10 tournament by at least 12 points. The Rams, though, per KenPalm.com, are 17th in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is points allowed per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents, but are just 140th in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is points per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. And finally, we have Howard. What a job by the Bison. Uh, Howard won the MEAC's regular season title and then won the MEAC tournament title, a 
thrilling 65-64 win for the number one seeded Bison over number three seeded Norfolk State at Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia on Saturday afternoon in the MEAC tournament final. Uh, Howard incredibly overcame a four-point deficit with less than 20 seconds left in the second half and to keep part of the comeback a three by Maryland transfer Marcus Dockery. Uh, Howard's head coach is Kenneth Blakeney. Uh, he has been Howard's head coach since May 2019. He's from the Washington, D.C. area. Kenneth Blakeney was a star basketball player at DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, then played at Duke. He took over a Howard program that had had a lot of problems. He had his first season as Howard head coach the 2019-2020 season, went just Four and twenty-nine overall, and just one and fifteen in the MIAC. But uh, things are a lot better now, and Howard has made an NCAA tournament for the first time since nineteen ninety-two. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, our wizards are fading. Uh, they are wilting. But the truth is that this is good news. Uh, the wizards over the weekend played two games and lost two games. Friday night, a 114-107 loss to the Atlanta Hawks at Capital Win Arena. Sunday evening, a 112-93 loss at the Philadelphia 76ers as the Wizards lost their third consecutive game and lost for the fifth time in six games. So the Wizards now are 31 and 37. They now are tied with the Indiana Pacers for 11th in the Eastern Conference. But here's what really matters. The Wizards now are tied with the Pacers and the Portland Trailblazers for the sixth worst record in the NBA. The Wizards, as they are plummeting in the Eastern Conference standings, are climbing the NBA draft lottery <laughs> standings. I could not care less about the Wizards making the Eastern Conference play-in tournament, but I do care. I very much care about the Wizards, our going-nowhere Wizards, our stuck-in-the-middle-of-nowhere Wizards getting as high of a first-round pick in the 2023 NBA draft as possible. So count me in on the Wizards losing as many of their final 14 games this regular season as the Wizards can. Uh, Big-time discrepancies between the Wizards and their opponents over the weekend in terms of three-point shooting. That loss to the Hawks on Friday night. The Wizards, in the third quarter, held a two-point lead at 69-67. They then allowed the Hawks to go on a 21-6 run 
for a 13-point lead early in the fourth quarter at 88-75. Now, the Wizards did cut that 13-point fourth quarter deficit to two at 106-104, but they then gave up a 29-foot left wing pull-up three by Trey Young for a 109-104 Hawks lead with 117 left in the fourth quarter. Ah, yes, a Trey Young three. The Wizards on Friday night outscored the Hawks in the paint 60-32, but went just 7 of 27 on threes versus allowing the Hawks to go 15 of 31 on threes. The Wizards allowed Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Sadiq Bey to go combined 13 of 22 on threes. Sadiq Bey, he's a local he went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, and then went to Sidwell Friends School in Washington, D.C., and then in the loss at the 76ers on Sunday evening. So the Wizards in this game just got totally demolished. They never held a lead in the game, trailed by 25 points in the fourth quarter. And the Wizards in this game, a mere 6 of 26 on threes, and the Wizards allowed the 76ers to go 11 of 29 on threes. Uh, Corey Kispert on Sunday evening, 33 minutes, 11 seconds off the bench. He scored 25 points. He went three of seven on threes. The rest of the Wizards went three of 19 on threes. The Wizards' big three, Bradley Beal, Chris Damps, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma, they on Sunday evening combined for just 34 points and what a combined one of 10 on threes and a combined 12 of 31 on twos. Great to see the team stars step up like that. Uh, I got to tell you, I am starting to wonder if Wes Unsell Jr. is going to survive as Wizards head coach beyond this season. Uh, things have not gone well for Wes Jr. over his two seasons as Wizards head coach. Uh, now, that clearly is not all his fault. I mean, to me, the bulk of the Wizards' failures are on the owner, Ted Leonsis, and on the president and general manager, Tommy Shepard. But I do wonder if West Jr. is going to take the fall for the team's struggles these last two seasons. And, you know, it's not like Wes is doing some bang-up job. You tell me, are you impressed with the job that Wes Unsell Jr. has done as Wizards head coach? And I say this as someone who wanted the Wizards to hire Wes Unsell Jr. as head coach off parting with Scott Brooks as head coach. But like, what can you point at from Wes Jr.'s two seasons as Wizards head coach that indicates that he has done a good job? Next up for the Wizards, home to the NBA worst Detroit Pistons, Tuesday night at 7 in a big game from an NBA draft lottery standings standpoint. Well, we over the weekend had a theme of contract extensions in Washington, D.C. sports. We earlier in the show discussed the commander's reported mega money extension with interior defensive lineman Duran Payne. Next segment, I'm going to discuss the Nationals contract extension with catcher Kbert Ruiz and the Capitals. Uh, they on Saturday afternoon announced the re-signing of defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk to a three-year, $9 million contract extension of Van Riemsdyk was set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. He notably was not traded in a cap sell-off prior to the 2023 NHL trade deadline, uh, which was on March 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern. And uh, now the Caps have gotten an extension done 
with Trevor Van Riemsdyk with TVR. Uh, this season is his age 31 season. So as was the case with the Caps re-signing of defenseman Nick Jensen to a three-year $12.15 million contract extension on February 28th, the Caps have extended a defenseman in his 30s. Uh, this season is uh, Jensen's age 32 season, but both Van Riemsdyk and Jensen are in their early 30s, and there have been plenty of defensemen who have played well into their 30s. Uh, Van Riemsdyk and Jensen were factors in the Caps' lone game over the weekend. The Caps improved to 32-28-7 with a 5-1 win at the Eastern Conference wildcard-leading New York Islanders on Saturday night. Yeah, the Caps do remain alive in the Eastern Conference wildcard race. The Caps are just five points out of the Eastern Conference's second and final wildcard spot, which now is held by the Islanders. Uh, The Caps on Saturday night in the first period trailed 1-0, but they then won the rest of the game 5-0, and they won what was the first of two games for the Caps on what is their 13th mentors trip and the team's first mentors trip since the 2019 2020 season. If you are a big Caps fan, you probably are familiar with these mentors trips. Uh, The Caps do these mentors trips on which players, uh, mentors, as in the players' dads, coaches, etc., travel with the team. Uh, And the Caps tend to do very well in these mentors games. The Caps all-time now are 17-7-0 with mentors in attendance. Maybe the mentors should be around more often. Uh, All five of the Caps' goals on Saturday night were even-strength goals. As the Caps did go 0-4 on the power play, Uh, the goals were scored by center Dylan Strom, winger TJ Oshie, winger Anthony Mantha, center Nick Dowd, and center Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, Strom and Mantha each also had a secondary assist. And yes, I did say Anthony Mantha. Did he need his two points on Saturday night? Mantha's two points snapped a 12-game pointless drought and his goal snapped a 19-game goalless drought. Anthony Mantha had been doing like nothing for the Caps lately. Uh, But a Cap who has been doing a whole lot of something is defenseman Rasmus Sandin. How about this guy? Rasmus Sandin on Saturday night had three primary assists. Sandin now over four games with the Caps has eight points, one goal, and seven assists. Rasmus Sandin, in fact, has become the first player in Caps history to have three multi-point performances over his first four regular season games with the Caps. The Caps on February 28th traded defenseman Eric Gustafson and the Boston Bruins first round pick in the 2023 NHL draft to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Rasmus Sandin. Rasmus Sandin was taken by the Leafs with the number 29 pick in the 2018 NHL draft. So this is a guy, 2018 first round pick. This season is only his age 22 season. He is young. There is upside. Uh, and boy, has he been good for the Caps so far. Uh, also, the freshly extended Trevor Van Riemsdyk. He on Saturday night had two secondary assists and the game best plus minus rating of plus four. Uh, winger Alex Ovechkin, he had a primary assist, a game high tying four shots on goal and a team high seven total shot attempts. Additionally, the Caps on Saturday night got back two defensemen who had been injured in the same game of the 3-2 overtime win at the Anaheim Ducks on March 1st. Uh, Defenseman Nick Jensen returned from a three-game absence caused by an upper body injury that he suffered in that win at the Ducks. And defenseman Martin Fehervari returned from a three-game absence caused by a lower body injury that he suffered in that win at the Ducks. And Jensen and Fehervari were part of a very good defensive effort by the Caps on Saturday night. Remember, the Caps remain without their top defenseman, John Carlson. Uh, he has not played in a game since being struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot by 
Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon in a 4-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets at Capital One Arena on December 23rd. The Caps also remain without forwards Connor Brown and Carl Haglin due to injury. But the Caps on Saturday night allowed a mere 18 shots on goal. Fewest shots on goal allowed by the Caps in a game this regular season. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps starting goaltender on Saturday night, and he was good. He stopped 17 of the 18 shots on goal that he faced. He, per natural stat trick, stopped all five of the high danger shots on goal that he faced. Yeah, he faced just five high danger shots on goal the entire game. Quite the difference from the Caps' previous game, the 3-2 shootout loss to the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena this past Thursday night. Darcy Kemper in that game was great, but he got tested a ton. He stopped 38 of the 40 shots on goal that he faced. He, per natural stat trick, stopped 15 of the 16 high danger shots on goal that he faced. So Thursday night, he faced 40 total shots on goal, 16 high danger shots on goal. Saturday night, he faced just 18 shots on goal, and just five high-danger shots on goal. Uh, the Caps on Saturday night, five of five on the penalty kill. The Caps' penalty kill has been great lately. The Caps now, over their last 22 games, are 51 of 58 on the penalty kill. Uh, here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters on Saturday night, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Caps insider Mike Vogel of WashingtonCaps.com. I think really having... Marty and Jens back in the lineup settled things down on the back end quite a bit. And, um, everybody was on point with their game. I thought the penalty kill did a really good job. Kemp's was really good when he had to be. He made some big saves too. So really good team effort with the, with the dads here. So that was kind of neat. To the point on, on Marty and Nick being back in the lineup, uh, how much did that help alleviate the workload on Darcy's, you know, on the shots? And well, that on them and then on, you know, TVR and... Um, Erasmus too, just uh, spread the minutes around. They can take some heavy minutes, play against top lines, and to get them back. And ultimately, it all leads to helping Darcy out a little bit back there in net. So, just a much better effort defensively. And um, you know, like I said, it was it was good to get that first goal right away, and then get the second one, and then pull away in the third. It was it was a good a good win, probably our best best win in a while. All right, next up for the Caps at the New York Rangers Tuesday night at seven in Game Two of the Mentors Trip. Well, as we all know, the Nationals have had a brutal last few years. Uh, very few things have gotten well for the team since it won the 2019 World Series. There has been very little good news for the team since it won the 2019 World Series. And so let us cherish what we're about to do on the Al Galdi podcast. Talk about some very good news with the Nats. The Nats on Saturday afternoon announced having agreed with catcher Kbert Ruiz on an eight-year contract extension with two club options. Uh, the first eight seasons of the contract extension reportedly are worth $50 million. That's it. And those eight seasons constitute what are set to be Kbert Ruiz's final two pre-arbitration seasons, his three arbitration seasons, and his first three free agency seasons. Looky, looky at the Nats behaving aggressively and astutely and doing something with which anyone who wants the team to do well should be happy. Uh, the Nats agreeing with Kbert Ruiz on this contract extension is an encouraging move 
and a smart move. Let's begin with the encouraging aspect of the extension. The move is encouraging because this contract represents an extreme departure from the Nats for years, for whatever reasons, not behaving proactively and re-signing their best players. Uh, This contract, incredibly, marks the first time since the Nats came to Washington, D.C., since the franchise moved to D.C. beginning with the 2005 season, that the team assigned a player to a long-term contract extension prior to the player becoming arbitration eligible. Now, the Nats in April 2009 did sign third baseman Ryan Zimmerman to a five-year, $45 million contract extension. And the Nats in January 2012 did sign starter Gio Gonzalez, who they had just acquired via trade with the Oakland A's to a five-year, $42 million contract extension. But each guy at the time of his extension already was arbitration eligible. Kbert Ruiz is not yet arbitration eligible. Uh, this contract extension for the Nats with Kbert Ruiz really does represent like a new frontier for the Nats. Uh, And understand that a contract like this one, a contract that buys out a player's arbitration years and some of his free agency years, uh, such a contract has been done by Major League Baseball teams for players for years. This kind of a contract was pioneered by John Hart during his time as Cleveland Indians executive vice president and general manager from September 1991 through October 2001. This kind of a contract goes back to the 1990s, okay? This contract extension that the Nats just did with Kbert Ruiz, this is the kind of thing that the Atlanta Braves have been doing for years and have done with so many of their quality players. Uh, And yet, the Nats only now are doing such a contract, despite the team, of course, having had a number of promising young players over the last decade, right? Starter Steven Strasburg and outfielder Bryce Harper and third baseman Anthony Rendon and shortstop Trey Turner and outfielder Juan Soto. You know the list. Now, it's worth noting that Strasburg, Harper, Rendon, and Soto all are represented by the Boris Corporation. Uh, In other words, those players are clients of super agent Scott Boris, who is famous for despising even the thought of not taking his clients to free agency. And it absolutely needs to be noted that we last month learned that Kbert Ruiz was no longer being represented by the Boris Corporation and instead now is being represented by Octagon. Uh, yeah, Kbert Ruiz did part with Boris and now has this long-term contract extension. Hard to think that that's just a coincidence. Uh, here was Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo in a press conference on Saturday afternoon. It's the first one we ever got done, yeah, but it wasn't the first attempt at it. So uh, you know, it uh, it it was uh, yeah, it was satisfying. You know, we you know we we you know we thought uh, long and hard about it, and uh, and you know these deals get done. These deals get done. I, I think be, you know because uh, you know both sides. I think the best deals you, you could do are that both sides are a little uneasy about it. You know what I mean? Where you know the uh, uh, the where. The, the, there's a long-term, uh, long-term uh, deal on the table. That you know the the, the team is, uh, has a little bit of risk there, and, and the player has a little bit of risk uh, that uh, you know he is he's locked in for that many years. So I think that uh, those are the best deals when there's a little uneasiness on, on both sides. I think you you've come to a, a, a good fair deal, and uh, I think that uh, you know, that's what we that's what we discussed here, and uh, we discussed we discussed different terms of, of, of a deal, uh, and uh, and Kiebert wanted to wanted the longest-term deal that we discussed. 
Interesting comments from Mike Rizzo right there, including, quote, it's the first one we ever got done. Yeah, but it wasn't the first attempt at it. End quote. Uh, that was a pretty clear message from Mike of, hey, don't think that we haven't been trying to get this kind of a contract extension done with other players. Look, I think that it's naive to think that the only reason that the Nats have not been signing their promising young players to long-term contract extensions is the Scott Boris factor. The Nats owners, the learners, are notorious for not paying until they absolutely have to pay. But I don't at all doubt that the Boris factor has been a significant factor, maybe even the biggest factor. Uh, additionally, the Nats agreeing with Kbert Ruiz on this contract extension is a smart move by the Nats. So the extension begins with this coming season, the 2023 season, runs through the 2030 season, and has club options for the 2031 and 2032 seasons. Understand what we're talking about here. The 2023 through 2032 seasons are Kbert's age 24 through age 33 seasons. So the Nats have a potential franchise catcher under team control for a decade. But the contract, A, only goes through his age 33 season, and B, over the first eight seasons, is worth just $50 million. That works out to an average annual value, an AAV, of just $6.25 million. That's it. And all of this is for a player in Kbert Ruiz, who in the 2022 regular season, his age 23 season, ranked number 15 among all major league catchers and wins above replacement for Fangraphs uh, in F4 at 1.7. You know, this guy, in theory, is an ascending player. Now, his offense does need some work. Uh, the bulk of Kbert's war for the 2022 regular season was from his defense, and he, for the 2022 regular season, did have an OPS plus of just 95. Uh, that is below league average. OPS plus is OPS that's adjusted for a player's league and home ballpark. 100 is average. Above 100 is above average. Below 100 is below average. Uh, but Kbert Ruiz is a catcher. And the offensive bar for catchers is low. And Kbert, for the 2022 regular season, did rank number two among all catchers in the majors, each with at least 200 plate appearances in lowest strikeout percentage at 11.5. This guy is very good bat to ball skills. And here's the thing. Even if this contract extension doesn't work out, you're only talking about $50 million over eight seasons. Again, $6.25 million per season. That is a chump change in today's MLB. This is a great deal for the Nats. And from Kbert's perspective, look, he's now guaranteed $50 million despite playing a position in catcher at which players can decline quickly. You know, catcher is the most brutal position in baseball. The position is grueling. Uh, heck, perhaps you remember what happened with Kbert Ruiz last season. The Nats last September 9th placed Kbert on the 10-day injured list with a testicular contusion that he suffered in an 11-6 win at the St. Louis Cardinals on September 8th, uh, Kbert ended up not playing again the rest of the season. And yes, I did say testicular contusion. Uh, the Nats acquired Kbert Ruiz and starting pitcher Josiah Gray from the Los Angeles Dodgers as the uh, headline prospects in a crop of four prospects for starting pitcher Max Scherzer and shortstop Trey Turner in a trade that was finalized on July 31st, 2021, and it was the top trade in the Nats uh, trading away of eight players for 12 prospects in that massive fire sale 
in July 2021. We still have a ways to go before we can say that Kbert Ruiz has become the player the Nats were hoping for, but there is reason to believe that he will become that player, and I do applaud the Nats for getting this extension done. Uh, also, regarding the Nats, uh, they on Friday afternoon made their second round of spring training cuts, among them uh, outfielder Yadiel Hernandez, uh, who was reassigned to minor league camp. We have seen a lot of Yadiel at the major league level over the last three seasons, 2020 through 2022, but the Nats this past November 15th announced that Yadiel had cleared outright waivers and been assigned to AAA Rochester. Uh, he was participating in Nats major league spring training as a non-roster invitee, so his stock has gone down. You know, Yadiel is an older player. Uh, the 2023 season will be his age 35 season. He can hit uh, Yadiel Hernandez over the 2021 and 2022 regular seasons at the major league level, totaled 616 plate appearances and an OPS plus of 106, but his fielding is a problem. Uh, also, the Nats optioned infielder Jake Alou to AAA Rochester. Uh, the Nats took Jake Alou in the 20 fourth round of the 2019 MLB draft at a Boston college. A top prospect, he was not. Again, a 24th round draft pick, but Jake Alou in the 2022 season, over 567 plate appearances for AA Harrisburg and AAA Rochester, had an OPS of 871. So the thinking had been that he might make the Nats regular season opening roster, but uh, that does not appear to be likely now, although I would think that we'll see Jake Alou at the major league level this coming season, maybe sooner rather than later if he at the minor league level hits as he hit last season. Uh, the 2023 season will be Alou's age 26 season, so he is an older prospect, but you know if the guy can hit, there certainly will be a place for him at the major league level. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 527. We'll have plenty for you on the commanders. We shall see what, if anything, emerges with them with the NFL's legal tampering period beginning on Monday at noon Eastern. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. I, I love my team. I don't know what I have to refocus. We've won 21 games. Like, you can go refocus. Maybe you shouldn't, because I'm proud of this team, and this team's pretty damn good. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.